0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Any Given You podcast. As always, I'm your host, Michael Megan. Before we get into tonight's content, I would like to remind everybody that if you're enjoying the show, subscribe to the podcast and please give us a rating, five star, I hope, and tell us what you think via a quick review or just tell some of your friends about the podcast. We are available on all major podcast platforms. You can also follow us on Instagram and our Facebook page and group at any given you is the Instagram handle, follow the link tree to get, well, connected to everything. It's a special time of year here, folks. It's time to discuss some win totals. That's right. We are going to glean what we can from various sources, such as the Football Power Index, win totals the experts have already published, and the scheduling and the latest in roster shifts here as we are getting very close to, to kickoff. And tonight, We are continuing with the Big 12. The SEC and the Big 10 are in the books, so go check out those episodes if you haven't already. We are going to give you our best bet for winners and losers in the conference and rank them from first to worst, so let's dive in. Starting off our list, we go to Norman, and that is the Oklahoma Sooners, and we believe that they will have 11 wins on the year. Even though the Sooners will be rightly favored in every game, I have a hard time talking myself into an undefeated regular season with this team. It has happened uh, once in conference play for the Sooners in the past 15 years, so by the law of averages, I'm going to go ahead and say they, they drop one. Now... Much like we've seen with other teams in this tier, like Ohio State, Alabama, and Georgia, there is often a stumbling block for those teams. So I'm not trying to talk any smack on OU. I'm just saying that it's more likely they lose a game than go undefeated. With the wacky construct of the Big 12, where everyone plays each other every year, um, even with the ridiculous talent that OU has garnered, it's just it's set up that way. So the Sooners have the highest returning production rate in the nation as well as the fifth highest returning talent index. That, by the way, was before landing some huge transfers. Spencer Rattler is a preseason All-American and a Heisman favorite. Nick Benito at linebacker is also a preseason first-team All-American. I'm looking for this Sooners team to take another step forward on both sides of the ball. This roster is the most stacked in the Big 12 and a top five roster in the nation. If everything goes swimmingly for the Sooners, they shouldn't even be in a tight fight all year. I'm going to assume that at least one time it doesn't go swimmingly for them. But I do want to highlight a couple of contests that could present a challenge to the Sooners. So, I'm going to go ahead first off and say it's not going to be Kansas State again. I'm sorry, Wildcats. You've had your day in the sun. I doubt that they get the hat trick here going 3-0 against Oklahoma the last three years, but I do have my eyes on Texas on October the 9th. I think it'll be an interesting contest pitting Sark versus Alex Grinch's improved, but still not elite defense. Again, on October 16th versus TCU will also be a tougher contest than expected. TCU boasts the conference finest rushing attack behind an offensive line that returns four of five. The Horned Frogs also rank top five in every defensive category in the conference. Uh, the last two contests of the season will be brutal with Iowa State um, on November the 20th, followed by their annual matchup with Oklahoma State in Bedlam on November November the 27th it is likely that OU will play one of the four teams that I just mentioned again for the big 12 title Um, I'm not going to get into postseason play but 11 wins is what we have for the Sooners next we're going to Ames Iowa Iowa State Cyclones I'm projecting 10 wins for this team now this is projected to be Matt Campbell's best team yet Practically everyone returns and their sights are set on a Big 12 title. This team is good enough to do it, by the way, and will be favored in most of its games. They will have to defeat a very game Iowa Hawkeyes team in non-conference play to get to their 10 wins that I'm projecting. That is a task that is much easier said than done, as Iowa has owned that rivalry. But Iowa State gets them at home and they are currently favored 3-1. to Against them, Brees Hall at running back, Charlie Kohler at tight end, and Colin Newell at offensive tackle are all preseason All-American selections. They join Brock Purdy along with a wide receiver core that is the biggest in FBS, averaging s- nearly six foot three in height and 196 pounds per man. Defensively, the Cyclones return practically the entire unit. Impact linebacker Mike Rose, standout defensive back Ashim Young, and monster pass rusher Will McDonald give the Cyclones playmakers at every level of the defense. I see nine contests on their schedule that should be wins. There are two toss-ups, one projected loss, and one possible upset, or as I like to call it, a Karen event, right? The local Karen coming out, calling that noise complaint, party's over. And I think that could occur at WVU. Uh, that is West Virginia, on October the 30th. It's around Halloween time. Things get a little weird anyway, and that is a tough trip to make cross-country to play those Mountaineers. Oklahoma State on October 23rd and Texas on November the 6th are both make or break games for the Cyclone season. At Oklahoma is going to be incredibly tough to overcome, so we are predicting 10 wins. Next we go to Texas. Texas we're going to say eight wins. Texas will have an incredible offense in 2021. You heard it here first. But it's not because of Sark, although his presence doesn't hurt. It's because of what returns. Running back Bijan Robinson may eclipse the likes of Brees Hall, Eric Gray, Letty Brown, and Deuce Vaughn in the conference as the rushing king and maybe Texas's next great back. Quarterback Casey Thompson – could be the real deal after lighting up the alamo bowl against colorado in relief of sam ellinger the horns were second in every major offensive category in the big 12 last year the longhorns boast the big 12's second highest talent index for returning players but it is not a close second to oklahoma and defensively The dumpster fire has continued, with many Texas defenders opting to bounce from the program on top of losing Caden Stearns and Joseph Osai to the NFL. Look for Texas games to resemble something more familiar to Big 12 shootouts that we're used to. I'd bet overs every week with these dudes because this team is not complete. I see six wins as the floor. I see nine wins as the ceiling, so we'll take eight. Texas has the talent to accrue eight wins in this conference off of the talent they have alone. If Sarkeesian can provide some direction, purpose, and motivation, we could see this team rattle some cages. Texas is heavily favored in their first four contests, although I'd say they need to be ready for that primetime trip to Fayetteville to take on the Hogs on September 11th. At TCU, On October 2nd is a trap game, just ahead of the Red River rivalry on October the 9th. At Iowa State on November 6th is likely a loss, and they will have the pleasure of traveling to Morgantown to take on those pesky Mountaineers on November the 20th. Texas Tech, Baylor, Kansas State, Kansas Rice, Oklahoma State, um, Louisiana, and likely Arkansas are all wins. I see only two losses I'd put money on in Oklahoma and Iowa State, but this team, although talented, is not complete enough for double-digit wins. Next, we take a trip to Dallas-Fort Worth to talk some TCU. The Horn Frogs get eight wins this year. Gary Patterson returns what should be an exciting and experienced squad that picked up momentum to close out the 2020 season. Uh, Max Duggan is the real deal. He's a, well, I'm, I'm going to say he's a real dual threat at least. Uh, with over 500 yards rushing and 10 touchdowns on the ground. In fact, TCU's whole rushing attack was solid and led the Big 12. Passing? Eh, not so much. The main issue was pass protection. TCU's O-line was young last year and four of them returned. Now, TCU also returns their entire receiving core, minus talented tight ends, Pro Wells and Artavius Lynn. D Winters, Ochuan Mathis, and Travis Hodges Tomlinson give the Horned Frogs a three-headed monster on defense. Now TCU recorded 27 sacks last year with a very young defensive front. TCU was top five in every defensive category in the conference, and I could see this team being 4-1, and one, possibly 5-0, and zero, uh, heading into their first contest where they're not going to be, well, they'll definitely not be favored. And that would be at Oklahoma on the uh, October the 16th. That's likely a loss. Also, I will point out that Texas on October 2nd is probably a loss, but perhaps not if TCU can play mistake-free. West Virginia on October the 23rd is going to be a hard fight at Iowa State. is probably a loss, especially with this team's uh, ability to hamper the run. When I say this team, I'm talking about Iowa State. If you take away the run from TCU, I don't like their chances. That's actually what I'm looking for is the biggest predictor of TCU's matchups with TCU being so run heavy. The next place we're going to go is we're going to Stillwater, Oklahoma to talk some pokes. Oklahoma State, we've got them down for eight wins. Now, Mike Gundy has won a lot of games at Oklahoma State, 137 to be precise. The pokes haven't had a losing season since 2005. Oklahoma State has managed eight plus wins 11 times in the past 16 years. Now, I think they'll hit that mark for the dozenth time under Mike Gundy in 2021. Last year was a huge disappointment to Oklahoma State fans and journalists alike. Many of these publications had these guys as playoff contenders. I never did. I don't know how you come to that conclusion after an 8-5 and five season in 2019. It's rare for a team to make that kind of jump. So I never bought that snake oil. But... Oklahoma State is and has been at least a 7-8 to eight win program since 2018. Now, Oklahoma State is in the deficit for Returning Talent Index, sitting 5th in the conference, and a quantum leap behind the likes of Oklahoma and even Texas. Oklahoma State plays two tough group of five teams for non-conference play in Boise State, taking a trip to Boise State, and taking on Tulsa again. On October the 16th through November 13th, that stretch right there for them is going to be brutal. At Texas, at Iowa State, they get a little reprieve with Kansas. Then they have to take the trip to Morgantown before taking on TCU in that order. And on November the 27th, they have to play Oklahoma to close out their season, which will likely be a loss. Now, Oklahoma State has lost their best offensive lineman in Tevin Jenkins on an O-line that struggled mightily to pass protect. TCU, Oklahoma, and Iowa State all have robust pass rush production, and I see Oklahoma State dropping all three of those. The next team we're going to talk about is those boys all the way out in Morgantown, the West Virginia Mountaineers. Now, I really do think that this is a program that is trending in the right direction, Um. I'm going to say that they get seven wins this year. Now, third, they are third in the conference for returning talent. Okay. WVU looks to take a step forward in 2021. They had the conference's stingiest defense at just 20 and a half points per game and under 300 yards per contest. Dante Stills returns as one of the nation's finest defensive linemen and will anchor the defense up front. Talented pass rusher Akeem Mesador. Returns as well after a five sack campaign in 2020. Sean Mahone and Alonzo Adai will anchor a good secondary uh, that was clutch in getting takeaways last year, and I expect them to do the same this year. Offensively, uh, Jared Dagey and Letty Brown are back. A talented wide receiver room returns, but they are young and struggled at times to get separation last year. The offensive line was also inconsistent and failed to get push in the run game at times, leading to a 40% rate on third down, which in turn led to this team's offensive drives stalling. I think this team will still be led by defense, and I look... I think they will play. I, I think this team will play a very physical brand of football, slower paced brand of football, with an emphasis on field position and getting those takeaways we discussed a minute ago. This will be enough to get seven wins, but not enough to overcome elite teams or at least the upper echelon teams in the Big 12. At least not week in and week out. Now, I do think that this team can throw the punch and knock out a big boy. All right. West Virginia is a team that will make you pay for your mistakes, okay? They proved that last year. If you make enough of them, they will hand you a loss, okay? West Virginia is my Karen for the Big 12, the spoiler of dreams. Karen, the spoiler of dreams. I think that they could end uh, some win streaks this year for some teams. I think they could really spoil someone's season late. I see six wins for this team. I expect them to go 500 at least in their non-conference games versus Maryland and Virginia Tech. I'm looking for West Virginia to upset Texas, okay? The reason I say this is because Texas has been so mistake-prone, okay? They make a ton of mental errors. This has been something that's been shown of them in the last couple of years, and I believe it's more than a one-year, you know, fix for this. So taking that trip to Morgantown, playing a very fundamentally sound team that is good at getting takeovers and making you pay for them, I could see them upsetting Texas. At Oklahoma is a loss. At TCU is probably a loss. Iowa State will be a hard-fought loss in a very physical contest. And at Kansas State could be an upset with the traveling that they're going to have to do right ahead of the Texas game looming the next week. So if they overlook Kansas State... You know, looking ahead to the Longhorns, we could see an upset there too. Which takes us to our next team, Kansas State. Six wins for these boys. Now, let me first say, I'm going out on a limb here, okay? According to ESPN, these dudes have a 25.8% chance of winning six games this year. I see five potential wins. I see one toss-up at Texas Tech on October 23rd, and one more potential uh, upset hosting West Virginia, like I just discussed, on uh, November the 13th. Now, quarterback Skylar Thompson was their best statistical quarterback... You know, before his injury saw him miss the rest of the 2020 season. And I think it made more sense for him to stay one more year, but you never know people's situations. Will Howard was thrust into the scene as a true freshman and showed splashes of what he could be, but he's young and played like it more often than not. Pint-sized speedster Deuce Vaughn will be the centerpiece of this offense, able to perform as an all-purpose back, much like Darren Sproles did for Bill Snyder. Youth in the wide receiver core will probably rear its ugly head this year. But as these pass catchers and the young quarterback begin to gel, we could see a Kansas State squad trending upward by season's end. On defense, standout defensive back Jaron McPherson returns as K-State's most productive defender, as does veteran defensive tackle Drew Wiley who managed four-and-a-half sacks last year. Splashed around these guys is a lot of youth, but hungry youth that took snaps last year. I see K-State overcoming a Stanford team on September 4th that is dead last in the Pac-12 for returning talent. Texas Tech, Kansas, and Baylor I see going in favor for the Cats. Uh, If they can beat a talented Nevada team, boom, there's the six six is the ceiling by the way the floor could be three for these guys but we're going to be ever the optimist texas tech we got five wins for these guys now oregon transfer quarterback tyler shuck has brought a lot of excitement to lubbock about as much excitement as you can get in lubbock i've driven through there it's not very exciting I'm pretty sure I worked with a dude that was a cult member from there once. Anyways, uh, Texas Tech hasn't had all that much to celebrate in recent years. In doing the research for why this team was so bad, I had to dig a little bit. Two stats jumped off the board at me. 36% on third down, okay, yuck, and 26 minutes of time of possession. They never had the damn ball. And when they did, they gave it away, all right? Minus nine turnover ratio. Now, Tyler Shuck should help keep drives alive with his mobility, which will be a big improvement, but Shuck had a tendency to give the ball away with errant throws and fumbles, especially against better competition. So I think this could be a potential push at quarterback, although I will say he probably couldn't make it any worse. The defense has obviously gotten a ton of reps, averaging 33 plus minutes of playing time per game. Look for this Red Raiders unit to take a step forward, building on all that experience. If Texas Tech is able to sustain drives, this could be a high powered offense. They average 28 and a half points per game, even with a limited time on the field. This team is the Big 12's equivalent to Maryland, is, what I, is kind of how I'm, I'm thinking about them. I see wins versus Houston, Stephen S. Austin, FIU at Kansas, potentially Kansas State. I see a toss-up at Baylor on November the 27th. The rest will be L's in my book. Which takes us to our next team, Dave Arandas, Baylor, Bears with four wins. Now, Dave Aranda gets a do-over, as should every coach for 2020. I didn't agree with firing coaches as a result of last year. Some programs sent it anyway. I'm looking at you, SEC. But here we are in 2021, and it's game on again. The car has driven by, and we're ready to get back in the street. Baylor loses veteran quarterback Charlie Brewer. His 6.1 yards per attempt last year showed how anemic Baylor's offense was but he takes a lot of experience with him to Utah. This kid was very solid in 2019. Go back, look look at his numbers. Offensively, they were miserable last year. 32% on third down, 23 points per contest, but the defense was good at creating havoc, led by one of the best playmaking secondaries in the game. Baylor managed 24 pass defended and 12 interceptions, leading to a plus eight turnover margin. And they, they did take care of the ball, at least on offense. If they can continue to take care of the football like that, look for this team to take another step in the right direction. I think Brewer contributed to that, so a successor at quarterback will have to be chosen carefully. And if they don't improve that horrendous third down percentage, they will struggle again. I think with losing Brewer, this team will suffer for it a little bit. I see the offense continuing to scrape the bottom of the barrel and waste a pretty solid defense for wins. This brings us to the dead last position here. We only have 10 teams in this conference, remember? Kansas Jayhawks. Probably didn't see that one coming. And we just got some really nasty news out of Lawrence about uh, Les Miles and a cover-up and conspiracy and murder plots and everything else. I don't know. You know, I tell you what, that's why... You have to evaluate coaches by a body of work, man. Because if you would have asked people back in 2007, 8, 9, who was one of the best coaches in the game, Les Miles would have been thrown right up there. Um, and now, now look at them, right? Look at that whole situation. Just the absolute dump, dumpster fire. Terrible, terrible, awful. I know I'm being critical here. I am a critic. I know I don't matter in the big scheme of things. Remember, folks, it is not the critic who counts, And I do respect the game and those who play it, although I'm sure these are wonderful young men and student-athletes. As a team, they suck, okay? And I'm not going to mix words about it. I didn't win a game in my college career either, so I know what a bad team smells like, and it smells like the Jayhawks. Okay, we are a far cry from that fluke season in 2007. <laughs> it is, it, there has not been really anything to celebrate in Lawrence for years and years, and 2021 will be no different. The Big 12 may very well have the best and worst team in the nation in 2021. Talk about a bell curve. South Dakota, to open the year, will likely be their only win Now, I've done the liberty of comparing rosters, actually, for this contest. I wanted to know what the difference was, really, between this FCS team and what is supposed to be this Power 5 team, and I say in name only, right? Kansas averages an 82.32 rating per man across the roster. South Dakota averages 79 0.0 Point .0 across their roster. This is actually it's pretty close. I understand that, you know, even full points, you know, there's there, there's a margin there, you know, that these these players are better, but that's pretty close, right? Let me give you some context here. We'll continue. Tennessee Tech has two players rated 82.85 on their roster, which is better than the average player at Kansas. Okay. Samford has five players that are rated 84 and higher. Okay. So now we're talking almost a full two points above what Kansas is averaging. Samford has five guys like that. Grambling has nine players rated 86 or better. All right. Kansas is squarely in the company of group of five teams and even upper tier FCS teams as far as talent is concerned. We can continue with this. Memphis has an 84 rating across their entire roster, and so does Vanderbilt. So Memphis and Vanderbilt have stronger rosters okay, than does Kansas, a Power 5 team, quote-unquote, from the Big 12. Like I said, they are a Power 5 school in name only. So I think it is safe to say that even with the hire of Lance Leopold, who comes in with a tremendous, okay, resume? Six-time Division Three national champion at Wisconsin Whitewater, built Buffalo into relevance over the last couple of years. Competed at two for two MAC championship games, won one. Actually, took the school to their first bowl win ever. I think he is a very, very good coach. That all being said, Kansas will be lucky to snag a single solitary W. I think a major concern on this team will be keeping their roster healthy for 12 games with virtually no depth. It's a complete multi-year rebuild at what a lot of people consider a basketball school anyway, and there is a lot of culture problems circulating the program right now the whole situation was a player evidently brought up to the coaching staff that for that fellow teammates were selling drugs, doing you know the quote-unquote wrong thing. Now I think snitches get stitches, okay? And I don't I don't like him snitching on his teammates, but he felt like he did what he needed to do or what was right for the team culture. And instead of this being addressed properly, there was a payoff because there were death threats issued. This is a divided locker room. There is a lot of cancer on this roster with a losing you know, culture there. And so Lance Leopold, you're gonna have to be patient with him. I think he will shine as a coach. If he can get this program to 500 in four years or less, <laughs> Look out because I think he'll be snagging himself a, uh, a major power five job uh, if, he, if he does that sort of job in Lawrence because that's how difficult it is to, to win at this school. So th- there you have it, folks. There's your, uh, there's your big Big 12 win totals. I don't know if they really surprised anybody. Obviously, Oklahoma the top dog, Kansas the bottom feeder. Uh, hope you uh, glean some stuff for this upcoming 2021 season. A couple of takeaways. It does go our way you decide to lay a little parlay action during the season based off of what i said here and it hits let me know but uh yeah i'm pretty good at calling these outright winners it was over 60 last year so um definitely put in the research we put in the time we look at things from different angles here and i am happy to do it because i have a disease and a passion for this and, well You're not going to get that in a lot of other places. So I hope that you continue to tune in. And next we will continue with the ACC as I put out their win totals here shortly. Hey, if you enjoyed what you've heard here today, then please do us a favor and hit that subscribe button. It won't bite, I promise. If you would like to, please leave us a five-star rating and write a quick review That would be much appreciated. And if nothing else, just tell your football-addicted buddies about our podcast. It is available on all major podcast platforms. If you're on the Instagram, just go at any given you and follow our link tree to not only our podcast, but our Facebook page and group and our email link as well. You can send us a, a nicely worded email. Let us know how we're doing. Football season is approaching quickly, and you're going to want to hear the best college football content around. Also, if you'd like to score some any given use swag, please check out our online store at squadlocker.com. We have a great selection of apparel to suit everyone. And the best part is 10% of every purchase is donated to charitable causes. I don't take one cent for myself. So if you'd like to make an impact in someone's life and score some sweet gear just in time for fall, then get over to squadlocker.com and pick you out something nice. And remember, Any given time, any given place, any given topic, you get it here at any given you.